regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I'm Jacques Hopkins, and here with me as well is our co-host. How's it going, Dr. K? I'm fantastic. How are you this morning? Doing well. Got my iced coffee in hand, ready for yet another episode. This one's going to be a little different because our guest today is not a course creator, but I thought it could offer a, a little insight into my business. As you know, I like to pull back the curtain a little bit on how I run my online piano course. And that's one of the, the things of value that I offer here to this audience is, okay, here's this successful online course. It's a non-money-making niche. Here's everything about how I run it. Well, today, the listeners are going to hear from one of my successful students. How does that sound? It sounds great. Cool. I'm excited about it. It was a fun conversation. Before we get into that, we like to just catch up. And this is this is pretty much our weekly meeting here, David. So mm-hmm. uh, man, what's been going on on your side? Um, well, I've been uh, learning some interesting lessons from uh, True Crime Podcasts. Um, I've shared before that that's something that my wife and I will do. We'll go for uh, a really long five, six, seven mile walk together. And uh, often I'll be talking to patients or just asking people what true crime podcasts are good. And so uh, a patient recommended one about a cult called Nexium. It's spelled N-X-I-V-M. And uh, the, the actual podcast is Uncover Season 1. And so Val and I were listening to this. And uh, essentially the concept is this, this cult called Nexium. The founder started it as a multi-level marketing uh, company where the main product was a personal development course. And so they would sell this uh, five-day personal development course for $3,000. And as they talked about it, I'm like, wow, that, overall, that doesn't sound bad. Um, it became bad at the point where he had like uh, 15 women that were like kind of his uh, harem, so to speak, and then some financial misdeeds. But in particular, they talked about how they would have this, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a multi-level. Did anybody ever get you to come to a multi-level marketing like meeting? Man, I've, I've certainly been pitched a couple of times. There was this one guy like in high school that was all about it. It was really, really, really weird. So, but I mean, some people consider like ClickFunnels almost like that. So yeah, it has an element. Yeah. Except you don't get money with ClickFunnels. You don't get money for the next step down. That's the only thing missing there. I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. Okay. So these people, they're trying to pitch people to come to like this five day personal development seminar. And so picture that you come to this, this group meeting with like 30 other people and there's a person up front talking. And they give this little story. They say, all right, um, I don't know how they set it up exactly, but they said, I I want you to raise your hands. You you know, you're all sitting there, 30 people sitting there. And I said, they say, I want you to raise your hands as high as possible. And everybody sitting in the room raises their hands up. And then the person up front says, no, I want you to raise them even higher, raise them as high as you can. And these people are like straining in their seats, like sticking their hands up as high as possible. And then the person up front says, all right, you can put your hands down. And then they just stand there and say, I want to ask you just a simple question. Why didn't you stand up? And like everybody in the room is just like, oh man. So, I mean, the point is there, it's, it's like the simple little analogy, but it's like, you know, in life, there's all these things where um, we're held up by either the, the norms that we're surrounded by or our personal beliefs. And uh, so then they go on to say, you know, this personal development course is going to help you be the person in the room that stands up. And I think they said that like one out of a hundred people will like come up with this on their own. 
and stand up. And uh, they said, yeah, there was one where this guy like stood up on his chair and was sticking his hand through the ceiling tiles. And so as I listened to that, I was just reflecting back on that. I'm like, I really like that fun story. Um, you know, kind of the application to course creators that, is that our job is to inspire and educate people that, you know, kind of be there standing next to all these people that have something that they want to do and say, you know, all you have to do is stand up. And then I'm here and I, I'm going to make standing up as easy as possible for you. Yeah, that's powerful, man. I could see it on another level too, because the normal way to go about things, the normal way to make money, provide for your family is to to go get a job, go work for somebody else. And this opportunity to create an online course, sell an online course, package up your knowledge into a on- uh, digital product is, yeah, I kind of see that as the equivalent of, of standing up to reach higher because you can impact people more, better. There, there's just no limit to what you can accomplish with an online course or starting your, your own business. So I like it a lot. Yeah, the other thing uh, I saw this past week, um, somebody in the uh, the Facebook group, the online course community, said uh, he personally hates webinars. He doesn't like the sales <laughs> pitch. He, they're too long. And just said, you know, can I just skip the webinar? And, and you know, people people responded back like, yeah, you can. But, um, you know, if you if you don't feel like you've ever seen a webinar that was like entertaining, like you need to look a little bit more. But this little analogy, this idea that, you know, all you have to do is stand up, you're limited by your beliefs and your current knowledge, but I can get you past the beliefs, I can give you the knowledge, and you'll be able to stand up easily. You know, that was in this multi-level marketing company's version of a webinar, that light bulb moment. So essentially saying like, you can do it, and I have the keys. So in our, I also was just thinking back in our own lives, we want to be, you know, we really want to be one of the 100 who are standing on their chairs with the hands pushing through the ceiling. So no matter what obstacle you're looking at, you want to say like, what are the actual solutions that are most efficient? Like, is there something really simple? I remember I had this funny example that in my own life, like when I first got to uh, the clinic setting in chiropractic school, I started having to iron my pants and I was like, ironing pants is miserable and so hard, especially like I had this one little obstacle, which was I would get around the area where the pockets were on the inside. And I was like, how in the world do I iron this section without leaving these like pocket marks? And there was a day that I was doing this and my roommate walked by and saw me doing it. And he said, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, I was like, I know I'm trying to like iron and not get the pocket mark on the outside of my pants. And he was like, he was like, dude, all you have to do is turn them inside out. And I was like, oh no, like that had never crossed my mind. So um, the other thing I wanted to mention, like this idea of, uh, you know, just, just saying like what everybody, what everybody's been doing, is that the right way to do it? Um, A little while back, I sent you some information about Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. So did you ever look him up? That's the guy that just won the tournament, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So I didn't even put two and two together, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So for the listeners, um, I'm somebody that doesn't watch sports at all. Not a single one, not cycling, even though I love to cycle. But if you give me a good storyline, I'll look into it. And so probably about, well, it was when Jock was on vacation, but this patient came in and he's a big golfer. And I said, Hey, are there any any fun storylines playing out in golf. And he said, well, he said, yeah, actually there is. There's this guy named Bryson DeChambeau. And essentially he's applying like analytics to golf. And uh, so kind of like money ball strategies, like looking at golf, every single component of golf and saying like, 
okay, this is how we've only always done it, but is it the best way? And so they've actually called him the mad scientist. But essentially, um, this Bryson DeChambeau, you know, he has this awkward, unique swing that he's looked at every aspect of it and, and finds that it's the most physiological, most advantageous. One of the things people really point out, all his irons are the same length. And so, you know, most people have different length irons, but he would say, you know, by having the same length irons, that makes it more predictable. And then he found that the most, uh, he believed the most advantageous style of golf was this style called bomb and gouge, which is basically these guys just hit hitting the drive so far, like 400 yards. And so on his off season, he added 30 pounds to his frame. And, and yeah, now he just won the US Open. And so um, just really cool. Have you I mean, do you watch golf at all? I do a little bit. Yeah, I played on the golf team in high school. I, I've been I've been into it at different points in my life. And I just got, you know, I was, I was watching a little bit of the US Open here the other day. And I did just did not put two and two together that that was the same guy that you had messaged me about a few weeks ago. And what was interesting about the US Open is it was a really, really, really difficult course and conditions. And, you know, I'm sure not not everybody out there knows about about golf and knows what some of these terms are, but he was the only one under par. Like it was so it was such a difficult course. Nobody after the four days was under par except for him. And he was like six under par. So not only did he win, but he crushed the competition on a difficult conditions. It was very, very impressive. And I love love the tie back to um this is the same guy with the analytics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just uh I mean, just a really fun example of a guy that says, you know, okay, this is how everybody's doing it. Is it actually the best way? And uh, he's going to influence. Now there's a bunch of other players that are, are, you know, mimicking his style. So, you know, there's times to follow best practices and just see what everybody else is doing. And then there's times to uh, say, you know, hey, you know, can we look at every aspect of this and see if we can find something and do it differently and actually get a better result? So we don't do a lot of prep. For this podcast, but I think that ties in perfectly to this conversation with Ken Richard that we're about to hear mm-hmm. because he, he, you know, just to set the stage a little bit, he just he's taken a deep dive into music the past two years, and but he's he's almost sixty two years old. I feel like this passion for music has been inside of him, just kind of locked up for so many years. And one of those reasons is because the traditional ways, like they, they just didn't really appeal to him in any way. And so he signed up for my course about two and a half years ago and my piano course, Piano in 21 Days. And I never really heard from him, maybe one time in, in that time span. And then I think I shared this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but he emailed me a, a few weeks ago and said, Hey, Jacques, I, I took your course a couple of years ago and my first album is coming out next week. And it's, it's amazing. I've been listening to it almost every day since it, since it's come out, it's, it's piano only and he is phenomenal. And and you're going to hear in this conversation, he just took a deep dive. Like once he, mm-hmm. once he made a decision to move forward with music, he's considers himself a composer. Now his goal is to get his music into movies. He is producing music. He's writing music. Uh, there's some stories in, in here where he played for some loved ones that are uh, kind of emotional. Mm-hmm. I, I even teared up a little bit. Pretty amazing. And so this is just another example where just because everybody's doing something one way doesn't mean that's the way to do it. Just like this mm-hmm. golfer, um, just like with piano. And that's one of the reasons Piano in 21 Days has been successful is because it's not it's not just an online piano course. It's a different approach to learning piano, and that's that's one of the reason it one of the reasons it works. So I thought it'd be fun for the listeners of this podcast to hear from one of my piano students and hear how impactful 
an online course was on this person, even though it was just it was a piano online course. So what do you think? Do you think that sets the stage pretty well for this interview? I think it does perfectly. Yeah, let's roll it. All right, let's do it. So without further ado, here's my full conversation with Ken Richard. What's up, Ken Richard? Nice to meet you. You too. So look, first of all, do you mind if I record this? Certainly. Thank you. Awesome. Well, if it's okay with you, I just, I'm just i very curious about what you've been up to as far as music goes the past couple of years. So I just want to kind of dive into that story a little bit, if that's okay. Absolutely. So it kind of started three summers ago when I went to Dodger Stadium and I watched the uh, Eagles, Doobie Brothers, and Steely Dan. And I grew up listening to them in the 70s. I graduated from college in 1980. Uh, never thought about playing the piano, never had any formal training, didn't do a thing with it. The only thing I ever did is when I was a kid, my my aunt had a uh, piano and I would go and, you know, peck with one finger and just kind of bang out a melody. And, you know, I was always attracted to that. But like most kids, you know, we love music. I, 70s, in my opinion, is the greatest decade for music ever, without question. But of course, I'm a little biased. But yeah. when you think about Eagles, Elton John, Steve Miller, Jackson Brown, you know, it goes, the list goes on and on. So they have the opportunity to go see the Eagle Steely Dan and Doobie Brothers at Dodger Stadium. First concert, it was the first concert since Glenn Fry died. Uh, it was the Friday before I told my wife, I said, I'm, I'm going. And I went on StubHub, spent 900 bucks for a ticket and was 18 rows off the stage, went by myself and couldn't wait. It was a hot summer day. And uh, I had I actually bounced for the Doobie Brothers in 1975 at Cape Cod. A no way. Yeah, a friend of mine. I was a skinny 17-year-old kid. A friend of mine said, hey, we need someone. He was doing it. He's a big weightlifter. He said, we can only pay you 12 bucks." And I'm thinking, 12 bucks? I'll pay you to go. And uh, went and did that. And, and I'm going off a tangent, but I just, it's just a, <laughs> such a wonderful story. And uh, I got there and they said, well, you're the new kid. You got to go out in the parking lot and work, work the uh, parking lot before the show. But the good news is after the show starts, you can go anywhere you want. So I did. Me and another new guy, we went out there and everyone who came into the, to the, to the show had to come through us. And I'm thinking to myself, why is this such a bad thing? You're seeing everyone coming through, all the girls coming through and thought, are you kidding me? So the show started. I don't even remember who opened up for him, but I sat there and the Doobie Brothers came out and they, this is before Michael McDonald. And they started with do, 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 Jesus is just all right by me. It's the only song I remember. Fast forward 42 years. I'm walking down to my seat. The, the Doobie Brothers come out. And all of a sudden I start hearing do, 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 do. And they start every concert with Jesus is just all right by me. So it was, it was really one of the most surreal moments of my life. That 42 years and what had happened then where I am and you don't know anything about me, but I went to college. I'm a hockey player. I played college hockey at UMass. Uh, I've become a lawyer. I, I had my own business for 25 years. I got married, had kids, uh, raised three kids. They're all adults and out of college now. And, and suddenly that whole bookend of time just, it just impacted me like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So that's how the night started. So went down, watched the Doobie Brothers, Steely Dan, and, and Eagles in that order, and came out of there. And this is kind of the point of the whole thing. It was, you know, I have to try this. I was just so taken by that experience of, of watching them and, you know, what music does to you. It just brings you back to times, and it triggers all kinds of great things. And, and uh, it was just an amazing night. And I was just sitting in the parking lot of Dodger Stadium thinking, I got to try it. 
So I went home and I told my wife and she says, well, let's have Nancy, you know, go see Nancy. Nancy taught my kids piano. Again, I have zero training, zero, zero, zero. So I went to her and she, she says, what are you doing here? I said, well, I want to start. She said, great. I don't usually teach adults, but let's see what you know. So she said, uh, what do you know? I said, I don't know. I said, say, a, name a song. So she'd start naming name, name, basic songs and I'd start banging them out with one finger on the piano. I didn't know what a middle C was. I knew nothing about piano. And so she said, okay, well, that's easy. You know, start with Mary had a little lamb. And then you, she starts throwing stuff out and I was kind of finding it. And she, and she says, you know, most people can't do that. And in my head, I'm thinking, what do you mean most people can't do that? It's higher pitches on the right side. It's lower pitches. And you just, and I, it wasn't perfect, but you could certainly identify the stuff, song. So that was kind of the start of the journey and got excited about it. And then I started going online looking for help. And I stumbled across your site. Your site caught my eye, Piano in 21 Days. I thought, oh, I can, I can handle 21 Days. And, and I signed up for it and I paid for it. And uh, over real the- quick, Kim, do you mind if I stop you right there? I want to ask a couple of questions about what you've said so far before we jump into piano in 21 days. So it's very clear you had no piano experience except Zero. for those very brief, you know, when you were when you were a kid and then no other instruments either. Right. None. Zero. I was a hockey player. D- I mean, is singing anything? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. I was a choir boy as a kid, but so was everyone, you know. And then, and you started going to Nancy, and, and then you started looking online. Did she decide to not teach you, or why did why no, did you pursue no, her, her lessons? No, I to go to her a little. You know, she and I love Nancy. I still talk to her, but she started teaching me, and I, I think what it was I understood is a traditional way to teach piano. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I said, Nancy, I don't want to learn how to read music. I have no interest in learning how to read music. She says, I totally get it because she's my age. I'll, I'll be sixty-two. She said, I started playing when I was four. I didn't read music for years. So she got me where most, I think she said, most piano teachers wouldn't even talk to you. Yeah. They won't even bother with you. So she got it right away. So I kept going to her, I think once a week for a while. And she started, I can't remember what we talked about. And so I started looking online also and I came across. Go ahead. But why? But no, I'm just, it fascinates me. Uh, what you're saying about Nancy, like it sounded like she got it. She understood that you didn't want to learn through sheet music, but it also sounds like that's how she teaches kids to learn. Why is that? I think she comes from a traditional piano background and, and uh, she was taught, you know, this is the way you do it and let's do scales and, and all that type of thing. And and my, to look at a piece of sheet music and we've all seen sheet music over the years. It's like looking at Chinese to me. I have no interest in it. Honestly, (laughs) I don't understand it. I don't understand how people have to look at sheet music and it will tell you which note to play. That makes no sense to me at all. Zero. And the more people I talk as I get along with this, they say, you're doing it the right way. You know, the sheet music is kind of, you know, it is what it is, but you'll move much quicker doing it your way. But the thing I found, Jock, earlier is that I I hear music. I can hear it. I've Mm -hmm. always been able to hear it. So that's a big thing. The, The sheet music's in my head in the sound that I hear. And uh, so we've concluded I have relative pitch. She has perfect pitch. We often debate which is better to have. She'll walk into a restaurant and hear some band and her head wants to explode because she hears every wrong note that the band is playing. And I don't necessarily hear that, but it was interesting. Elton John was on doing a benefit not too long ago and uh, he was playing, I think, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And I could hear his mistakes. I could never hear his mistakes. He was making mistakes after playing it 
thousands of times, right? And you know, and I know, the more you play something, it becomes some subconscious and you don't even think about it anymore. And that's how I am with my compositions. I can, I can have a full-on conversation and get through it, which is wonderful. Uh, but even Elton John was making mistakes and most people don't hear them. But the more you're into it, the more you hear it. You start hearing little tiny mistakes. Oh, he just met it. You know, he hit the sus too. He didn't mean to do that. He meant to do the root, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. So um, went on, looked at, found your, your course. I was interested in your tagline was 21 days. Learn how to play the piano. Well, who doesn't want to do that, right? So that was a good, that's a good marketing pitch. So I, I looked at it and I signed up for it. And I can't remember how much I paid for it, but I paid for it, as you know. And I just started your process, which was excellent, to, to give me a reference point of how to approach piano. So I did. I, in fact, you said, you know, do, what is it, 20 minutes every day? I can't remember how long it was. I do four lessons at a sitting. I, I couldn't wait 21 days. I was going at it, right? So I got through the program pretty quickly. And, uh, and that was really the, the basis. And I can remember sitting up in my room. I had bought a no, I had an old Yamaha. I've since had four pianos, including a 1904 Steinway O, uh, which I bought, which is phenomenal. But at the time, I was using this old, junky old Yamaha keyboard and hitting, hitting the, the basic uh, one, five, six, four progression and making it sound pianistic was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And I think I was just kind of improvising and throwing notes down a little bit. So that was kind of the, the start. You know, like any learning process, you know, it's a curve, right? It's flat, 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 flat. And then you start kind of going up and then it accelerates. And I certainly had, it's like anything. It might be golf. It might be any skill that you have. But I look at piano like any other skill. It's just something you got to kind of learn and understand. And it builds on itself. And, um, and there's nothing like being able to produce a piece of music. And there's nothing which I experienced today when I'm playing at my golf club on a Yamaha C5, I'll sit there and play my stuff. People come around the corner and they'll say, you know, I don't know what that is, but that is beautiful. And as a musician, you know what that feels like. Sure. Right? And that's your own music that you're playing. My own music. That's why they I'm don't know what it is. Covers. No, I'm now I can play probably 20 covers now, but I really focus on my own music. I've composed 28 different pieces. I think you mentioned you went and listened to a few mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I would call them contemporary classical is probably what they are. That's where my musical heart is. Ludovico Inaudi. I heard him and I thought, that's me. That's what I, I mean, I really identified with that. Now, will I go out to a rock, you know, see, uh, see Steve Miller or something like that? Absolutely. I love pop rock music. but to play. I can't see myself composing pop music. It's kind of boring, actually, and kind of silly. But when you get into the classical, you can really expand and, and go in a lot of different places. So it's, it's been really, really fun. So to, to keep going, um, I, I took your course. It was excellent. I would recommend it to anybody, and you have that recorded now. <laughs> so if you're going to watch this video, you got to sign up for Jacques' course. If you don't believe me, go to my website, and this is where I you'll end, you could end up. And it started with Jacques. So there's your little your snippet for your for pitch, and I mean that totally seriously. Well, thanks so much. And look, drop, drop uh, pl plug your website there so people can go check it out. What, what's the web address? Web address is very simple. It's uh, www.kenrichardpiano.com.
Excellent. So I would encourage anyone who's listening to this, go to my website, Ken Richard, no S, KenRichardPiano.com. You'll see the website. I just launched it last week. There are links to all my pieces on SoundCloud. There are also links to, uh, you can buy my new released album called Over the Bridge. It's on iTunes, Amazon Music, uh, Google Play, all the, all the basic sites. And Yeah, I, you, I, you sent it to me before it was released. I've listened to the whole thing. It's, I mean... I'm a little biased now too, but I think that I think it's amazing, and so I'm, that's great that it's actually released now. So yeah, I hope people will go go find it and buy it. It's 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 the real deal. I mean, it's it's awesome. Well, thank you. It's uh, it's funny too going through this process, and I'm still very much learning. People who you know, everyone has critics, right? So mus- musicians have critics. The people who are critical are not 98 percent of the people who look listen to it. It's all the frustrated musicians out there never made it is what I'm finding. It's like, because they might do it a different way. Well, music's not like that. Music is an expressive art and this is where it should have gone. And maybe I got to, you know, transpose the key there and go to the seventh instead or whatever, but that's what I hear. And that's what I do. And if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Now, does that mean I'm not open? (laughs) Of course, of course, of course it doesn't mean that. Nancy continues to be so, so helpful with giving me little riffs and little tricks and little uh, things to try instead of, you know, doing it. And like she'll say, my hands are little, you know, try to spread out your hands, do more open chords, those types of things. You know, so she's very helpful, but, you know, I'm relying on 58 years of worth of experience there and all the things that she's done and she writes music. So music is infinite and I'm not suggesting not to learn or grow or listen to people, but, you know, at the end of it, as Billy Joel once said, I don't write for anybody else. I write for myself. And as Paul Simon once said, the most important thing is how it sounds. <laughs> how does it sound? And, you know, the Simon and Garfunkel have always been masters at making it sound good, and as simple as some of that music is. And as you know, Jacques, some of the most beautiful music is so ridiculously easy and simple. It just, and we don't know why it impacts us, but it does. It doesn't have to be complicated. So. So yeah, I released the album and uh, I, you know, I built up the website and I'm getting analytics and I'm just, you know, this is all new. So what's my end game? My end game is I'm just going to keep writing and I love writing. I feel like I got a hundred more songs in, inside of me and I want to really go off into the, uh, the modes a little bit. I don't quite understand them yet, but I will. And I think a lot of my music incorporates modes and I don't even realize it. But uh, Hans Zimmer always said, if, if there's any rule in music, it's, it's this one, break the rules. And uh, I think that's a very, very good uh, admonition for people who are aspiring to be music people. Uh, I have one of the highlights of this whole thing. One of my songs, it's called Christini. It's on SoundCloud. It's, on, it's not on the first album. It's my daughter. She got married last summer. And I wrote a song for her. And I take her through her life. And I had it orchestrated by a very, very wonderful producer. His name is Patrick Woodland. I would look him up. His website is Cool Tone Records. And he's done music for Letterman. He's done, yeah, for Letterman, the outro for Letterman, many, many Disney uh, pieces. He is just unbelievable. And we've become great friends. But he orchestrated Christini for me. And uh, I got to dance to it with her at her wedding as the father-daughter dance. I wrote the song. That I did, which she had no one had heard it, fully orchestrated. You can hear it on SoundCloud. And uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the place, including myself. And uh, it was it was incredible. I take her right through her life. I start up high. And at the time, I didn't know what 
really understand what time signature was. And as it turns out, it's in three, four. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't intend that. The waltz. The waltz. So it's per- it was perfect. It was the perfect time signature for the message and the, and the thing that I tried to convey. It's a, it's a waltzy kind of time signature uh, taking her through her life. And on SoundCloud, there's my piano version of it, which I play. And then he didn't really touch it. He, uh, he orchestrated it. So he added uh, strings and trumpet uh, and trombones. And oh, it's just, it's majestic. And I take her right through her life. Who gets to do that? I mean, it's just, it's just an incredible experience that this is. And I feel like, Jacques, that I'm just starting now. I, I don't feel like I've started yet. So, and I have you to thank for a big part of that because your course kept me interested and it was very methodical and it was very easy to follow. And, you know, you, a couple of times you were throwing, you know, I was a new guy. I didn't know what you were talking about, but that just rewind it and kind of listen to it. Again. Okay. Okay. I got it now like mm-hmm. that. And I'm not criticizing it at all, but. That's part of the learning process, but I would highly recommend anyone who wants to start to play the piano to uh, sign up for piano in 21 days. I, there's, there's, it's just great. And by the way, everyone, he didn't ask me to do that. I'm doing that because I'm, I'm, I'm very sincere about that. And that's, that's very true. Thank you so much, Ken. Man, going back to the, the, the story of, of the wedding, man, I mean, I was, I was getting teary-eyed just hearing the story. That's just unbelievable. I've got two young daughters myself, and that just really resonated with me. And, and you know, I got married nine years ago and my wife and I's first dance was a waltz. And we learned to dance a waltz because that's the, the, the song we picked out to have our first dance to. I didn't even realize that when I picked it out that it was a waltz and then I was going to have to figure out how to out a waltz. So uh, man, that's just an unbelievable story and, and one that you and, and your daughter and all the people there and hopefully all the people listening to this wherever I end up posting it will we'll always remember that too. That's just an epic, epic story. It, it was, I wish, you know, my, my hope, and I tell people this all the time when they come and say this, I always tell them, how are you playing two and a half years? And they can't believe that. And I'm very grateful to God for this gift that I never knew I had. So I encourage people, don't think that you can't do something. Give it a shot. You don't know with all the noise in our life, you just don't know what you can do, whether it's music or some activity or sports or whatever it is. For me, it was music. It was something that I always felt like I needed to do and get out of my way. I own four pianos now. Like I said, my Steinway <laughs> is unbelievable. I just bought a Roland RD88 gig piano. As soon as this craziness ends, I'm out. I get people asking me to play at their events now. And I'm, I'm just so looking forward to doing it. And I, the other thing I would encourage people to do is push yourself. And when it's uncomfortable, that's where you got to go. That's a good thing, especially musically. Because if you get into a rut, and I find this when I'm writing, I, I do a song, then my next one kind of sounds like the one I just did. And uh, you got to recognize that and get away from that. Do a different rhythm, go to a different key, do some inversions, structure it a little bit differently. But by the way, all this stuff I'm talking about, didn't know anything about this. And, you know, when I first started and uh, of course, YouTube is such an incredible tool, not only for Jacques' course, but just for little things you want to learn about, learn about sevens or be jazzy or a blues riff or, you know, it's unlimited and uh, we all have access to it. So it's just wonderful. 
So, th- so thanks for the kind words about the course once again, Ken. Um, but what I usually like to tell people is like, look, I'm not the hero in the story and I'm hearing your story now and you're the hero, right? I'm the guide in the story or I'm one of many guides that you've had that just knew a little bit more about something than you did and shared that information with you. And what I always like to say is I think everybody has the ability to play piano on some level inside of them. And I just want to be the person to help them reach down and, and bring that out, something that's already inside of them. And I think in your case, it was very clear that that was was right there. And for you, it was like right there at the top. And then once we started opening it just a little bit, it just all exploded out and it continues to. You know, I think it's in in, in our conversation, I haven't thought about this since it happened, but I remember what was that aha moment? I think is when I went to uh, the chord chart and I I use a different method now. I use Cortify, Cortify. Mm -hmm. Cortify.net. It's outstanding, outstanding. But I, I used your chart and as soon as I, you know, when you see the keys and once you figure out what the keys are and you can get your hands shaped properly, once you start following that along, along with the rhythm, that was kind of the aha moment for me. And it was kind of like, this isn't as hard as people think it is. I mean, people, and I'm glad you're, you're uh, shaking your head now, you're agreeing with me on that. As a musician, you're sitting there and you're, when you, you don't have any musical background, you're looking at it and you're saying, how do they do that? And of course, what they don't know is as we're playing, most of the time we're making stuff up as we go. Because as long as you're in the chord, it doesn't really matter which note you're playing. You can mm-hmm. kind of mix it up and all that. But, you know, we all think, oh, how did you memorize what those notes are? And so I don't memorize anything. Right? There's no memory. I think in groups, I think in groups of, of chords. And of course, if I can hear the song, I can, I can just kind of follow it along. And, and I was going to mention this earlier. The thing that really broke me away from the traditional type of learning the piano and God bless Nancy. I love her. I plug her. She's on my, she's on, I think I reference her on, on the SoundCloud account. I'll go see her next month. I think the traditional way of teaching piano is to, is to memorize notes. Who can memorize notes? I don't think anybody can memorize notes unless you're doing a classical piece, which you have to do. But for regular type of music, everything else, for me, once I started thinking about thinking in groups of chords and with a bass, I mean, it was like, this is 10 times easier than people think it is. It's not that hard. Most songs only have three or four chords. That's it. Free Falling has two. Two. <laughs> That's it. And it's one of the best songs ever by Petty. So That's right. Um, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head here, Ken. I mean, you, it's, it's most people, like she music and traditional methods of just like memorization, quote unquote, it's what to play and when to play it. They tell you exactly what to play and when to play it. And I, I know you're maybe a little familiar with my story, but I took traditional piano lessons for 12 years growing up. And for 12 years, either a person or a piece of paper told me what to play and when to play it. I don't get it. Right. And, and as you're saying that, Jock, it, 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 I'm reminded of that. And you said, I want to learn a song. And six months later, or whatever it was, I can't, I don't even know what the song is. I can sit down now at this point, And if you give me a song I know and hear, in 10 minutes, I can bang out a rough version. Of it. Pick anything. I can, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I believe you. But uh, at the same time, I could say, hey, Ken, go play C major G major, A minor, F major, and you could, I bet you could play that for an hour and it sound interesting the entire time. The whole time, because I'd change it up. I'd do some inversions. I'd go to different octaves. I would uh, change the rhythm a little bit. Uh, I'd do fifths instead of just one, three, five, or what it is. I'd throw a seventh in there. Now, for people who are listening, they don't, may not know what I'm talking about. Right. Neither did I. Right. 
But like I said, it all aggregates over time. And you don't even, it's like tying your shoe, driving your car. You don't really even think much about it anymore. After a while, it's like any other skill. It becomes part of your subconscious. It's a a tremendous thing. It is. I I learned all this uh, when I was like 17, 18, 19 years old. I was kind of open. My eyes really opened because I had this other experience for 12 years. And I was like, oh, wait, this whole other world exists? And so I started diving into that. I started playing at my church. I started enjoying playing for the first time in my life. It wasn't just a chore. And eventually, like in 2013, when I started Piano in 21 Days, that's when I was like, that's my aha moment was like, oh, like I need to share this with other people. Like when most people think of piano or learning piano, they think of the sheet music and the, and the scales and the, and the once a week in-person lessons and the old school stuff. And most people don't know about this other method about piano for some reason. Now, it's, it's, it's guitarists know it. People learning guitar know this stuff. But why do you think there's this, just this such a big gap between the old way of learning and this, I, I guess I would call it a newer way of learning piano? I, I would have to speculate that, I mean, you know, once there's a, 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 a way that it's all people know. I mean, you know, someone learns that way. That's how they learn. What a torturous way to learn how to play the piano. I mean, I just can't even imagine doing that. I mean, I, I was shown, I was asked, and this is on me. It's not on Nancy. It's like, Nancy, how, show me how to play Weekend in New England, Barry Manilow. from New England. And so I was watching. I'd, have, I'd film her hands to see what she was doing until I understood. As soon as I understood what the chords were, that was easy. What's, so hard? What's hard? This is easy. Once you understand the chords and the progression of it, it's so much easier. And why people spend all that time doing the old way of learning all that. Now you have to know theory. You got to understand the scales. Got to know what a key is. You got to know, you know, what chords are. You need to know what a song in a major scale, you know, major, minor, minor, major, major, you know, diminished and how it changes. And once you get that little basic stuff, your world is now completely open to making incredible music. And the best thing about this shock is the gift that it gives to other people. It's great to play, but to see how other people respond. And I know we're close out of time, but a year ago I was, I was in New York and there was a piano. I was at a conference. I was speaking at a conference in my business and there was a piano. Of course, I couldn't stand not sitting there. So I started playing, honest to goodness, a, a song. It's on the website, Norman, my father who passed away last year. And while he was passing, I wrote a song for him. And I started playing this song. It's in a minor key. It's in a starts in a minor and I'm playing. And um, I look up, and this woman on the other side of the piano is sobbing, sobbing, listening to me play this song I wrote for my dad. It's called Norman, and it's on SoundCloud. You can listen to it. And so I'm thinking, oh, and I'd never really done that. So I keep playing. I say, okay, hold it together. Next thing I know, she's sitting next to me on the, on the bench. And she's like, you know, like consoling me. Well, I wasn't the one that needed to be consoled. I was just playing the song. She was. But it had that much impact knowing that I had written that song for her dad. And she told me later that her father was dying. So it really, she really related to it. So I, I sent her the MP3 the next day. I saw her and I said, tell your dad that you had this written for him while he's dying. And of course, what a gift to be able to give that to somebody, you know, to pass it on and spread it on. So it's just been incredible. And I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful to you. And I'm grateful to everyone who has been part of that. And um, I hope people check out, not so much because I want you to buy my music, I do, but, <laughs> but I want you to know where you can, what you can do and what your potential is. KenRichardPiano.com. 
Great. And that's, I mean, that's another example of you sharing your music with somebody very close to you. And I think that's an, a very important part of being able to make music on your own is being a able to share it with those that you love. And that's actually an underrated element of all this that for me over the past few years, because a good friend of mine has been encouraging me to to kind of make that one of the milestones of the course is like the moment that you can play music for somebody you've always wanted to play music for, right? With uh, This person has an online course himself in another niche. And there's a lot of online courses out there where it's very defined. Like once you get to where you want to be, it's a very defined thing. Like if if you're teaching somebody to start a business, once you make your first sale, okay, boom, great job. Like, um, but with learning piano, it's like, okay, what is that moment where it's like, okay, now I know how to play. And his suggestion was, well, make that moment when they when they're comfortable and confident to play whatever song it is for somebody that they love. And it sounds like you would somewhat agree with that. I would agree with that. It was kind of a, you know, the thing with my daughter, when that all came up, you know, there's planning a wedding is always a, a, a you know, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that. Yes. And uh, she suggested it because it was funny. And I tell Nancy the story at the time, Nancy kept saying, Ken, I want you to compose. You, I want you to compose, start thinking about composing. I'm thinking, Nancy, I don't even know how to play the piano, but she heard something in me that suggested that. And then uh, I told her, I, said, I really don't want to do that because I want to play covers. And the next day I had lunch at, with my daughter planning the wedding. And I was telling her the story because she knows Nancy. And uh, she said, my daughter said to me, dad, just write something for me. And it was like the scales fell, right? Because now I had a purpose of doing it. And I thought, that's a great idea. And I went home and I just, it's in C because her name's Christine. So I had to write it in C. So I made it very spe- special for her. And, and like I said, months later, I figure out it's a three quarter thing, but the impact that you can't even believe what my wife, how my wife reacted to that, right? Here, her husband's writing a song for her, is our daughter to dance with at her wedding and, uh, and then have it orchestrated. I hope people go listen to it. You'll hear my version and, and, and the orchestrated version, but the impact that it has on other people is such a gift. It's not a gift. It's not my gift to them. It's my gift. It's not a gift that I'm giving them. It's a gift to me that I'm able to give that to them. And um, it, it's just, it's just a, a wonderful thing. And you know, I often think, man, I should have, if I started this 20 years ago, where, where, where would it be? You know? And uh, I don't know the answer. Maybe I wouldn't have been interested, but you know, things happen at the perfect time in life. We don't realize that sometimes. So what's my end game? You know, I'd love people to enjoy my music. I don't need the money. I have a good job. I have a good career. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy advocation, advocation for me. But I guess if, if you say, well, what would be your ultimate Everest, if you would? I said, well, because people say this to me all the time. That should be in a movie. That's part of a movie score. That, everyone says that. Two things. Your music is so relaxing, and that should be in a movie. So can you imagine, Jacques, to be able to walk into a movie someday and watch this movie and hear one of your pieces in the background as part of the score of a movie. That to me would be, it's so surreal to even, I can't even wrap my head around thinking about that, but why not? Why well, not? Ken, that, I mean, that does sound amazing. And to be honest with you, you know, that's, that's not a goal that I would have. I would far, I would much rather see your music in a movie. And then I could say one of my students' music was in a movie because <laughs> I'm more passionate about teaching piano than yes. I am about playing piano. Everybody's goals are different, but that, that is truly amazing. So let's jump back in the story again. Okay. You said three summers ago was when you went to that concert, Doobie Brothers, you heard it again, 42 years, the whole deal. 
So that was summer of 2017. Correct. You start seeing Nancy a little bit. You signed up for my course on November 29th of 2017. You know that. I know know that. that. Oh, yeah. I'm a big big data guy. But here's what's funny about that is that I didn't really hear from you again about until about two weeks ago. (laughs) I I wrote a couple times. I think I had a suggestion on a different site. I can't remember what they were to find the cords. It wasn't Cordify. It was something mm -hmm. else. And you wrote back and you you were very responsive. Jacques is very responsive if you write to him. You know, then we lost touch for a long time. And once I kind of broke through here in the last 90 days, 60 days, I thought I got to share it with people, especially those who have contributed to it, you know, where I am. So that's what prompted me to reach out to you again. Yeah, I love it. So my next question would be, surely I'm not the only person you've learned from since late 2017. Like what other instructors, what other courses have you taken? What other learning did you do on the piano journey? Well, Nancy, initially, and you, I have not signed up for any other course. Uh, I'm a big YouTube fan and finding little lessons. There are certain people I, I listen to, I find it resonates with me. Rick Beato uh, is phenomenal. Uh, everything music, Rick Beato, you can Google him. Uh, I've never talked to Rick, but he's all about music theory. And uh, so I've learned a lot from him about scales. He, he does everything. He's a uh, former producer. He's a platinum producer. I I think a lot of your audience probably knows who he is already. I have friends who are musicians. um, Talk to them. How do you do this? How do you, you know, I'm like a little kid. I'm like a four-year-old asking all those annoying questions because those are the ones that come to mind. So anyone who, who I have a chance to ask about, I ask. Patrick Woodland, who I mentioned, uh, is actually becoming a business partner of mine. We have a music venture we're putting together about producing people's music like me. So someone like me writes a, a piece of uh, music, and then our it's going to be makemyrecord.com. A lot of these services out there, but Patrick has access to anyone, anyone you want. You want Joe Walsh playing on your record? You can get Joe Walsh. You're going to pay for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's kind of a concept. So I'm surrounding, to answer your question, Jacques, I'm surrounding myself with incredible music people. And I'm so happy to be able to do that. And honestly, Patrick will say, has said to me many times, you have something that most people don't have, just the way you play and whatnot. So it's very encouraging me. But I'm trying to surround myself with music people because by osmosis, you just get a lot of knowledge and information and you're listening. You listen to music differently than you did before. As you said early. Listen for the chord changes. You said that in your course. I just remembered that. So I listen for that. What are they doing there? Where are they going? Can I tell you what chord it is or what note it is? No, <laughs> not yet. But, uh, and I know a lot of people can. What else? Playing a lot. I probably play an hour and a half a day, not because I have to, but because I can't stay away from it. Drives my family crazy. That's why I go down to the club and I play down there on that beautiful piano. And, um, now, earlier you were talking about how when you're learning anything new, it's kind of that flat line for a long time. And then, and then you slowly get momentum and, and then it's like almost exponential eventually. It is indeed. But a lot of people, like the reason most people don't actually know how to play piano today, I would say, or even the ones that have tried to learn and don't know how to play, it's because that line is flat for so long before they see any real tangible results. Why do you think you were able to get through that part and other people stop or give up? Uh, I can only speak for myself. I didn't want to fail. You know, I'm kind of competitive and I, and I felt like I was making progress. And I think you've said that in your, in your course, the more progress you feel you're making, the more encouraged you are to keep going. So that's what it was. And then you'll hit a, you'll hit a point where that curve just starts to really ramp. 
the slope on that really starts to, you remember your algebra days, will start to ramp. And that just is, that's fuel on the, on the fire and the passion of piano. So I would encourage people, hang in there. And I think the more theory you learn, theory, not in the sense of looking at piano and, and saying, you know, looking at a, a sheet of music and saying, you know, what note is this? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about understanding the 12 notes and how it's, you know, the intervals between them and why is it that you can go up a half step and be in a different key and play the same thing in a different half, you know, those types of things. It's not really that much, but I think for me, once I understood that, the whole world just opened up. And then the piano playing part is like any other physical skill. You got to practice. You got to, your fingers got to, got your muscle memory has to kind of be there. Your hands have to learn the shapes of chords. So I can go to the shapes of the chords very quickly now. We're at the beginning. Okay, where is that? Okay, let's see. That's a, that's an A major. So let's see. That's an A, a C sharp and, oh, an E. Okay. All right. So, you know, that becomes, that becomes secondary after a while. You're not even thinking about that. You're just knowing where you're going. Your, your hands just kind of go there automatically. It's like any other skill. So, I mean, on, on a similar note, I want to ask you basically, do you think that it's possible to learn piano in 21 days? And, and let me set up that question a little better. When people first hear about it, piano in 21 days, a lot of people's initial reaction is, wow, that's not possible. That's a total scam. You're lying to people. And for example, you should see some of my Facebook ads. I don't do a lot of Facebook ads, but I do a little bit. And every every once in a while, the Facebook ad will get in front of either a traditional piano teacher or somebody that's played the traditional way for 40 years. And they just, you should see their comments. It's like, I can't believe you're scamming people like this. You know, nobody can learn in 21 days. It takes years and years and years to learn. What are your thoughts? Piano in 21 day, I would disagree with those. I will disagree with those comments from your critics. Number one, you're cutting into their business, which, you know, you have yeah, to take right. into consideration. So there's some jealousy there. But here's the, here's the takeaway in 21 days. Piano in 21 days gives you the foundation, the foundational elements of, of how a piano works and how music works. And once you have those ingredients, you can bake the most beautiful cakes uh, in the world. So yes, you can learn piano in 21 days. You can, at a minimum, follow any song that you know or can hear and play the accompaniment of any song you can hear. And you can do that, in my opinion, in much less than 21 days. The 21 days is important because what Jacques does, and again, this is completely, we haven't talked, we've never talked before, this video. What it does, it gives you the- Just through email. The elements, the foundational elements to put those things together. So yes, at the end of 21 days, you can pick any song that you know, or even make up your own, and play those progressions and maybe stretching a little bit, but you know enough to be stuck in some band somewhere playing and follow along and accompany that music. That's absolutely true. Very cool. Well said, Ken. Well, thank you so much, man. It's been a true pleasure to to hear this story because uh, you signed up in 2017, late 2017. Here, we, we, we talk very little from then until now. And you send me an email. Hey, Jacques, I don't know if you remember me, but a couple of years ago, I signed up for your course. And next week, I'm releasing a piano album. I'm like, what? And I click and I click on it. And I'm like, surely it's not any good. And it was really, really great. And so I was like, man, I got to figure out what this guy's story was. So man, true pleasure. Thank you so much. And I hope, we'll, uh, I hope we can stay in touch. I hope so. And uh, let's revisit in a year. Who knows what I'll be going. You know, I think I'm still kind of on that curve. Yeah. So uh, let's see where we are a year from now. 
outstanding. Thanks, Ken. All right, that's a wrap on the conversation with Ken. David, welcome back. What do you think Thank about you. hearing? You heard from one of my students. What do you think? Um, well, I think that you already know that this had a little bit of a I told you so yes. um, kind of element to <laughs> yes. it. So yeah, I'll just get that out of the way up front. Like, I told you so. Yes, playing for other people. Yeah, I mean, the quotes, I mean, some of those quotes, I felt like I already said it. You know, he he said uh, songs as gifts, being able to play a song for somebody as a gift. He said, it's a gift to me that I'm able to give that to them. Um, and so I just, I loved hearing that. I felt like I said something similar to that in the past. Um, there wasn't a dry eye in the place when he played the song Christini for his daughter, um, or it was played for his daughter as he danced with her at the wedding. I mean, just so amazing. You know, just just really neat. Yeah. I mean, props to you because you, you're constantly telling me like the big milestone for people in your course needs to be when they play for a, a loved one. And this is the perfect, mm-hmm. the perfect example of that. And I mean, he was telling me the story and I told him, I mean, as somebody <laughs> who has daughters, young daughters and who who plays a little bit of music, like I really resonated with that story. I remember specifically the first dance I had with my wife, uh, you know, nine and a half years ago now. And it just it was powerful. And I was tearing up during the interview. So, so good. And I didn't intend to share like when I was having this conversation with Ken, I wasn't planning on having this as a podcast episode. That was not the point of me interviewing him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Like, And I still don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it, but I, I thought it would be good for this audience. I think I'm going to turn it into a YouTube video on my Piano in 21 Days channel. I'll email it out to my list and so on. It's, it's, it's really powerful. So some of the questions and things that I asked him were... We're just, I just genuinely wanted to know. And I had no intention of it being this podcast, but I think it, I think it turned out pretty well. Well, certainly looking at the uh, video testimonials that are in your current webinar and just seeing if one of these would be good to fit in there. I mean, again, you know, we, you focused a lot that playing piano is therapeutic just for yourself. And that was, that was what it was for you. It was stress relief when you were playing, working at a job that you weren't really loving. And certainly he, he shared a quote about that. He said that he, he loves to play. He plays for an hour and a half a day, um, kind of drives his family crazy. And so that he, that he heads down to a golf club and plays. Um, so, I mean, he hit that point, but yeah, if you don't have some of these quotes where people say, you know, getting to share with other people in your webinar, looking at that one. So yeah, I mean, definitely. Definitely that story about him writing a song for his father, uh, Norman, that was super powerful. And then, then, yeah, just tracking down that quote where he says, you know, it's a gift to me that I'm able to play this music for them. So, yeah. And what if he would have started sooner? Like, where, where would he be if he would have started mm-hmm. on this path 20 years ago instead of two years ago? And I think one, one takeaway, one lesson here is like, don't, don't delay what could be your dream, what could be your passion. Like, don't, don't let life get in the way. Don't just go, not that he necessarily did this, but don't let your, your career just going through the normal routine get in the way of something that you could truly be passionate about. And mm-hmm. I mean, Ken's doing awesome stuff and I can't imagine where he's going to be in five or 10 years from now, but just imagine if he would have started mm-hmm. 20, 30 years ago. Ago. Like he, he might be some famous composer, like mm-hmm. world famous uh, for doing music scores and all that. Um, not that he won't be one day, but let that be a lesson. Like if you've got something in the back of your head that you you want to pursue, like let's let's get on it. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 start going down that path. Are there? So I got to ask, uh, are there any skills that uh, you're going to be like a grandma Moses on? Is there anything down the road that you're like, eh, maybe someday? Uh, I don't, David, I, I, I'm living the life I want to live, man. This is, this is it. Like I read for our work week back in 2008 and that has been my, my dream mm. ever, ever since then. 
and I'm, I'm living it now. And it's, it's so much fun being able to teach people piano, teach people about online courses. And I mean, this, this is my hobby. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I used to play golf and I would like to get back into it a, a little bit one day. I, you know, playing piano is a hobby, but not like this. There's nothing I like doing more from a hobby perspective than running my business. Mm-hmm. I actually, I mean, reflecting on that, there is something that someday I, I've always said, you know, I'd really love to do that. And uh, interestingly, when it is time, like it will involve an online course, 100% for sure. Okay. Um, so the thing is, uh, I've always been enamored with like kayaks and uh, the idea of doing a strip built kayak. So just this uh, idea of uh, starting, you know, heading into the winter with like nothing. And uh, at, back at the time that I first learned about these, you could buy these kits and it would come with a book and all these diagrams and you'd get this strip built, this whole pile of like wood strips from a lumber yard. Um, would show up in, in, in your garage and then over the course of the winter, just making like this beautiful strip built kayak and going out and like just uh, going uh, boating in this thing in the spring. I thought that sounds so fun. Um, but again, you know, if those same kits that were available when I was first learning about this, let's say, you know, 2002, 2004, you know, now they would have this whole online course that would go with them. So um, we'll see if that ever happens. I, I actually talked to a patient this week that does woodworking and I mentioned that and he said, <laughs> he made it sound like I definitely do need uh, the elements of uh, just a pro's advice because he said, he said, there's a lot of projects that look pretty simple, but he said, you get partway into them and they're hard. <laughs> so, Very cool. But, All right, David, any other takeaways here? Yeah. So before we rolled this interview, we talked about that Bryson yeah. DeChambeau, his technique being called bomb and gouge, which is the idea of hitting the drive so far that then you don't have much to do to get get the hole in one or, or to get to the uh, the green and the hole. And I was like, that is piano in 21 days. You know, it's, mm. I mean, that's, that's your concept is like, I'm here with the quick wins. My whole goal is to have you playing a song. It might be a little bit rough around the edges, but I want you to be playing a song in 21 days. So it's totally lines up with that bomb and gouge. Like you're going to be able to play something. And I also love, I mean, he, he confirmed that that strategy worked for him. You know, it got it where where he felt like some quick wins and it made him want to keep going. And then I also liked how there was a point where you asked him, like kind of how he stayed motivated versus some of the people that didn't. And he actually was able to remember a certain point in the course where you gave some kind of inspirational talk. He was like, he was like, you told us this was going to happen. You told us there was going to be frustrations or you told us there was going to be struggles. And so, yeah, for any course listeners out there, you know, when you put in those little inspirational moments or those encouraging moments, I just thought that was a great example that that he he was able to remember the point where you said that. Yeah, I think that is important because it's not always going to be smooth sailing. Everybody's mm-hmm. different. And so I try to do my best to set up expectations properly at the beginning of my courses. But it's also important to have those touch points throughout. Like, okay, guys, it's been, you know, we're, we've, we've been through five lessons. You might be thinking this at this point. Uh, I've had students who who got to this point. They're thinking this, but here's here's how we're going to get around it. Here's how we're going to stay motivated. Um, so I think that's a that's a great takeaway. And also comparing piano in 21 days to to the golfer. Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm t- I'm doing the live version right now, and we're through six days. And you know, six days in of the 21 days, they're playing songs. Awesome. They're playing basic songs to where the people around, like there's one girl in particular, one lady who has some uh, kids maybe in the 10-ish range, and they're like, mom, that sounds like a song. Like, you're, you're playing piano. 
and that's just six days in. So I'm excited where we're going to be with this group after 21 days. But that's that's key. Quick wins. Quick wins are uh, maybe huge. I'll, maybe I'll call it the the bomb and gouge approach to learning piano. <laughs> yeah, you certainly could. Um, I love that he was inspired by going going to a concert. And uh, I was just curious, like, uh, do you have a, a memorable or a best concert experience ever? Oh, wow. Uh, best concert. The first concert I ever went to was Three Doors Down. My okay. high school girlfriend gave me tickets. I think I was a senior in high school. And that was cool. I mean, I was a fan of them at the time. I haven't listened to them in many, many years. So I've, I've probably, I've never been a huge concert guy. I've been to just a handful of them uh, over the years. I would say one that sticks out is the, uh, one of, at the time, my favorite band uh, was a band called May, M-A-E. Hmm. Um, and they have big with keyboards and synthesizers and stuff. So I just remember going to a May concert in New Orleans for the first time, probably sometime in college and just watching the the keyboard player the whole time. And that mm. was just really cool. Like, I, you know, I was young in college. It's like, maybe that's the, the path I want to be like, what if I was like that guy in 15 years? But as it turns out, I much prefer just being the online piano teacher rather than the the performer. But seeing seeing talented people like that is is certainly an inspiration. What about yeah, you? Definitely. Um, well, I would say like during college, like pretty much my top hobby in college was trying to track down music that other people didn't know about. Um, it was the 1998 to 2002. So it was everybody sharing MP3s and the services where you could like, you know, download a bunch of MP3s illegally. So I was taking part in that. But I was I was kicking around looking for solo singer songwriters. And I found this guy named John Mayer and didn't have a sing- <laughs> he didn't have a single song out on the radio. And I started listening. I was like, yeah, dang, these are like great lyrics, you know, obviously skilled guitar playing. And so I rounded up a couple friends and we went to this little dive bar um, called Gabe's Oasis in Iowa City and watched John Mayer play with like 75 people. Just picture the diviest bar you've ever been to. And just, uh, you know, it was like a Thursday night in this college town and and uh, totally saw him play just, you know, front row because there was like there was only two rows. So <laughs> I, I would say that that's a memorable experience. That's really cool. At bigger concerts, I've got some weird thing where I'm like the magnet for the most drunk and obnoxious person possible. So <laughs> if there's going to if there's going to be a person like green in the face and doing six inch sways, they end up behind me. And I'm just like, oh, man, I cannot cannot focus on the concert with this guy behind me about to crumble onto me. <laughs> but yeah. So speaking <laughs> of that's that's really cool about John Mayer. So do you ever has anybody ever told you you look like somebody famous? Um. Yeah, I mean the one that I got was Ron Howard. I think okay, I might have yeah, mentioned, yeah, I yeah. think I mentioned that on the very first uh, the very first episode I was on. Maybe so. I totally see well, that. I tell, I tell my wife that I'm more like uh, Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, see that one too, David. Much okay. closer. Very very good. Well, the two the two people that I've most often been compared to by by strangers. Oh, you know who you look like would be Clark Kent. That's mm-hmm. more of the glasses, I would say, the dark hair and the glasses. But then the other one, for some reason, is John Mayer. And maybe I haven't gotten that lately. So maybe that was when I was a little bit younger. But I've multiple, multiple times people said that I looked like John John Mayer. Hmm. Well, on that note of the celebrity lookalikes, when I was uh, thinking about just talking about humor, I think during the last episode, I, I'd been thinking like, uh, you know, my role as your sidekick or co-host, uh, the little celebrities that it made me think of. Have you ever seen the original uh, animated Beauty and the Beast? The Like the Disney one? Yeah. I mean, only like 67 times. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> man, if Jacques, if Jacques is Gaston, that makes me <laughs> LeFou. 
Like, and I was like, I was like, all right, well, <laughs> it is what it is. But obviously, you're a nicer guy than Gaston. But yeah, yeah, that's that's. I mean, hey, it's probably just because I'm so ripped and jacked and tall there you and, go. and good looking. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Interesting comparison. All right. Well, before we get too off the rails here, David, any other takeaways before we wrap up here? Um, well, I mean, a lot of his uh, conversation, he he started by learning to play piano, but then it went on to composition. So yeah. I was just wondering if you've, you've done any composition in your uh, musical life. Yes and no. Uh, one, of the, one of the skills that I teach in my course is called improvisation. Mm. And improvisation is the ability to go to your piano and just start playing and improvise and make things up as you go. So that's not the same as composition because composition is more about writing an actual song that can be repeated, recorded, Mm -hmm. and so on. So I've never really written anything like that, but I do have the ability to just walk up to a piano and play for hours. And and I could do it the same thing the next day and it's not going to sound the same at all. But that's because I know about improvisation. And that's one of the one of the skills that I teach in my course is to not just parrot back what somebody else wants you to do. Like I was telling Ken, like normal methods teach you what to play and when to play it. That's what sheet music is or even specific YouTube uh, song tutorials. They mm-hmm. tell you what to play, when to play it. And I don't like that. I want you to be able to create music on your own, even if it is based on uh, based on a song that you like, if it's based on an Elton John song or an Adele song or Bruno Mars song, I still don't necessarily want you to play it exactly like that artist played it or want you to play it. Like I still want you to have some freedom within those guardrails. So yes and no is the answer Mm. to your question. Then the other thing that I was just thinking about, like, let's say that you do um, bring a little bit more of this focus on performance in front of others um, to your course, or you kind of make that a goal. Um, again, one of the things to give people even more joy as they do that would actually be to uh, make a couple YouTube videos or a little mini course within your course on uh, just that audience rapport during a concert. Um, because you think about all like, well, not all of the best performers, but a lot of the best performers, like their stage banter is like just a fun part of watching somebody. I know, um, again, I am a, I'm, I'm a fan of John Mayer and he's certainly, you know, between his songs has some fun, fun banter. And so, um, you know, whether you bring somebody else on, I remember the guy, Oh, the guy that that recorded the uh, the guitar course, and then he also had the course for music instructors to uh, make their recitals just to this huge event. He was a guy that seemed like he would have some great tips on banter that uh, you might be able to reach out to him for. Do you remember drawing a blank on his name? No, I'm not sure. But I, I was as you were saying that I was trying to remember I had a past guest on the podcast who his niche was helping helping musicians with like performance anxiety. I don't know if you remember that oh, episode. Yeah, yeah. It was Mark Morley Fletcher. He's at playinthezone.com. Now that's more for, for professional musicians and, mm-hmm. and being better at, at playing and, and gigging. But I wonder if he would be a good person to reach out to for some insights for my students who are more casual players with what you're talking about. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. All right. Well, the last thing, uh, you know, I've been still thinking about this catchphrase idea. <laughs> Again, I mentioned teach the world, reach your dreams, T-T-W-R-Y-D. And then um, I know that you were really locked in on this word uh, transform. You wanted to you wanted to help help course creators be in that mindset that they're actually transforming their students. And for the record, I registered a new, new domain. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but just because just it was available and I want it to be mine, uh, I registered transformation over information.com. Nice. There you go. 
Well, yeah. So I was thinking maybe we could try combining the two this week. So transform the world, reach your dreams. Okay. And we, can keep, we can keep working <laughs> on it. So. <laughs> transform the world, reach your dreams. Okay. Sounds good. Well, we are wrapping up this episode, David, and I'm thinking that it's going to be good to, once we stop talking, I want to play a little sample of Ken Richards' music for the audience, just to provide nice. a little extra Perfect. context. And so, because, you know, he could talk, he talked for 45 minutes about about what he does, but it's always nice to hear it too, and, and, and with a niche like music. So uh, we'll wrap up and then we'll lead into one of Ken Richards' songs. So uh, with... Do you have the song picked out? Because he mentioned uh, Christini and uh, the one for Norman. Yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for the audience. I'm looking it up right now. Can you tell I'm filibustering a little bit? Yeah, um, you should do the Christini one. The Christini one? Well, yeah, that's that's the wedding song. There's one. It's it's the one he mentioned as like his most popular one was the okay. one I was going to play. So it's either going to be that one or Christini, and it'll just have to be a surprise. All right, fair enough. All right, so. That's going to do it for this episode. You can find all of the show notes for this episode. And uh, by the way, before I forget, KenRichardPiano.com. Everybody yes. go check out Ken's stuff, buy his albums. There's plenty of samples there you can listen to. He's amazing. I've been listening to his music while I work. It is such great focus music. It is, it's amazing. Go check it out, KenRichardPiano.com. And you'll find that link along with all the other links we mentioned at the show notes, oc.show slash 151 and a lot more online course related uh, resources, materials, videos, and so on over at theonlinecourseguy.com. So that's going to do it for this week. We'll close out with a song from Ken Richard. And until next time, transform. Get out there there and get out there and TTW RYD. Transform Transform the world. Transform the world. Reach your dreams. Reach your dreams. Love it. Thanks, David. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 